my message today is entitled, It's Your Serve. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. It seems like such a simple concept, ask, seek, and knock. But I believe that very few understand the process and the promise that's in this, these passages. Since there are three actions that we're commanded to do, we must be willing to do all three to see any response or to receive anything from God. The fact of the matter is that many people believe that God doesn't answer their prayers or that God is nowhere to be found at times when the truth is that we miss the process. We're very good at the beginning. We're very good at the beginning things, but we're, we fail many times to finish strong. We're all good at asking God of things. When we go to prayer, we ask God for things. That's the asking part. But it's the seeking and the knocking where we fall short way too many times. We can't just ask God for something and expect Him to deliver it to us. There's no uber prayer that just delivers your food or your prayer to you today. And I know it sounds funny, but I think many times we just ask God and God's going to deliver it to us. And we, when it doesn't, we think, well, God didn't hear me. God didn't answer my prayer. We, we can't expect that he's going to deliver it to us without us doing anything in the process. If you look, it said ask and then seek and then knock. And so we ask, but then we have to seek and then we have to knock. And that's when we complete the process, then God responds. Too often we ask him for direction or we ask him for purpose in life. And if we don't get a prompting from him in prayer or through reading the word, we can easily begin to feel like he's not answering us. Or he's not paying attention to us. After all, I'm just a small person down here, and what does my need have to do with what's going on in the world? And so we start to tell us these things that are not biblically true. So we either blame God or we discount our own needs by saying we're not important enough to have our prayer answered. Even though we did the asking, we skipped the second step. We didn't seek him with all of our hearts. What do I mean by that? How do we seek? Well, I'll tell you how we seek. We seek by serving others. We don't just go out to look for our answer that God's going to give us to us. We ask God by faith, and we believe by faith, if we have faith, that God's on his way to answering that prayer, if it's in God's will. But in the meantime, we need to seek by serving others. If I go out looking for the answer, it's like I'm not trusting God that God can bring it to me. I remember when I was a child and waiting for Santa Claus. Does Santa Claus really know where I live? What if he misses my house? Right? I think sometimes we think, what if, does God know where I'm at? How does he, can he give that to me? But God asks us that while we're waiting to go seek and to serve others, we need to put ourselves out in the world. You hear me saying that all the time. We put ourselves out in the world in the hopes that we might cross paths with someone by God's design, by, with someone or by, with something that reveals our God-given purpose or direction. Many years ago, I was at a, a school, 
And, and uh, God told me to go visit a friend of mine at another school across town. So my school got up early, and I went because he was going through a hard time. So I got up early and went to go see him. And while I was waiting, he was a gym teacher, and I was standing out in the hallway. It was a, I walked in the school, and I'd, I'd known the people there. And I was standing on the side of the gym waiting for his class to get done. And the principal came up to me, and he said, Brad, I'm so glad you're here. I said, okay. He said, are you applying for the job? I said, what job? He said, we have a special education job opening up. I thought you're here applying for the job because today is the last day. I said, no, I wasn't applying for the job. I came to see a good friend of mine. He said, well, would you consider applying for the job? I said, I don't have a resume on. I have nothing prepared. He said, that's okay. I'll just put you in as a yes, and uh, we'll call you tomorrow for an interview. <laughs> okay, guess what? I got the job. And you know what? I would never have done that if God didn't say, go visit and encourage a friend. And when I did, I crossed paths with, with, with the answer. And it was a better job with where I was at. And it was, and it was, a, whole, it was a whole lot better opportunity. But God wouldn't have not just, I would not even known about that if I hadn't gone to go visit a friend to go serve others. Yeah. Many times, if you look in Jesus, Jesus did a whole ministry of ministry on the way, Right? On the way to go heal someone, on the way to go raise a, daughter, a girl from the dead, some lady came by and was healed of an of, of issue of blood. Throughout the whole gospel, he's always on the way doing something else, and he does ministry. That's how God answers prayers. It's not when we're just waiting and saying, God's not answering my prayers, but to go out and to serve others. Many times the answer that God has for us can only be found and can only be realized when we leave our comfort zone and begin seeking. God doesn't just plop answers or answered prayer in our laps. We need to seek. What do we seek? Well, the Gospel of Matthew tells us this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When we're seeking after his kingdom, God brings answers and direction and purpose. This is how he leads us in service and feeds us with the truth. Because his promise is that if we seek after his kingdom, first and foremost, then he will give us what we need. Saying all of these things will be added. I don't need to go look for all these things. If I'm taking care of God's kingdom, God's going to take care of me. That's what the, that's what the truth in the scripture is. Instead of us working so hard and trying to get this by our worth and by our logic and by our own means and by our resources, God knows what I need. The Bible says right before that that he knows what we need even before we ask. So if I'm taking care of his kingdom and his people, God's going to take care of me. That's how God created this world to function. What does it mean then to seek the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, we have a king. The Lord is our king. And every king has his kingdom. The kingdom is made up of God's subjects, which means sons and daughters who are subject to him or submitted to the king. The Bible teaches us that subjects of the king are those submitted to Jesus, submitted to following him and his commands, and those are called disciples. If we're subject to the king, we are called disciples. So as we're learning about his kingdom, let's see what the Bible says about disciples and the power that we have. Because many people don't realize it's not just the peasants. We are subject to the king as disciples, and God has given us great power in this earth to grow the kingdom. 
Matthew 28, verse 18, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he had this very important message to his disciples. The disciples are not the 12 people that broke bread with him. The disciples are anyone who chooses to follow Jesus and submit their lives to him. We are disciples. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Go, therefore. He didn't say stay in the church. He said go. Go out into the world and the communities. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're to go out to go and to share the gospel. It was not just for the pastors or the preachers or the worship leaders. It's for all of us if we call ourselves Christians and disciples as subject to the king, we're to go out and to share the gospel and our words and our actions and our gifts of service. As disciples, we're called to share the gospel. How do we do that? We have to get involved in the lives of others. It's not just inviting everyone to come to our church and saying, I can't believe no one comes to church these days. Thank God that we have people here. And God's equipping and empowering all of us by the gifts of the Spirit and the power of His love to go out into the world and to serve others and get involved in their lives that we might play a part in growing the kingdom and in taking care of those who are already in the kingdom. There are so many people who never find direction in life until they start serving others unconditionally. They keep waiting for God to show them direction, but they don't go get involved, and so God can't show them his direction because his direction is not there in their prayer closet. The direction is out there in the world when we're serving people. And then when we go out, God crosses paths with us and reveals his purpose to us, oftentimes when we least expect it. So if we are taking care of those in God's kingdom, then it makes sense that another name so we, we go share the word in the kingdom, but we also take care of those who are in God's kingdom. That's seeking his kingdom. And if we're taking care of those in his kingdom, then obviously another word for a disciple or a subject is a servant. We are serving God because he is our king. It is part of the kingdom. We are his servants. What do servants do? They serve, right? They serve. If we are seeking first the kingdom of God, we do this by serving. This is what God expects us to do until he comes again. Listen, I've heard people say it, but you've probably heard it before, and maybe you said it yourself. But when we went through the pandemic, when the whole world seemed to shut down, and we continued to have services, we met here every week. Remember, Joanne, we'd meet and do the services online, and that was, a, that was, a, was a kind of a fun time, wasn't it? It was. It was. Um, and, and, and so when the whole world shut down, we continued to have services. And, and, and then after that, a lot of churches didn't open up for a long time. And then when they did, a lot of people said, I don't need to go back to church. I can have church at home. I've heard that many times. You can't have church at home. You can hear teaching. You can listen to people singing. You might be to participate with them. But you can't have church at home because church means we serve one another. We come together and we serve one another. We help one another. I know there's times that people can't do that, but there's still things that you can be as part of the church. The church is God's answer to allow us to serve so that we're seeking his kingdom so that God can be, add those things to us that we need. 
Thank, I'm so thankful that we have continued to meet and come together and to serve one another, and God's given us more opportunities to serve. But there's a really important reason why we must serve. Not just because to keep the church going, not just because to spread His love. There's a very, very important per- reason why we must serve others, and most of you do not realize the implications of it. Our service to others shows the authenticity of our faith. We don't earn our faith by our service, but it shows whether we are authentic or not. In fact, it is this criteria, serving others, by which we are judged against the rest of the world for eternity's sake. Let me show you this in the Bible. Take a listen to how God will sort us out at the end of time. This is in Matthew 25. I have a few scriptures to read through to go through all this, but I want to show you in context how God's going to sort us out at the end of time. Verse 31. When the Son of Man, that's when Jesus returns to earth, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep and the goats. There will be a great separation, and God's going to do the separating. Verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. So with this all-important selection, we should all be aware how God determines the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. I'm going to let you know it's not about church attendance. It's not about how many times you've read the Bible. It's not about how much money you have given. It's not about how many prayers you have said. Well, these are all important aspects of of church life, of Christian life. These are all important aspects. And they all enhance your walk with Jesus. They are not the determining factor of how we are sorted out at the end. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you, blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That's why we're a mission church. We give to missions and missionaries. And many people who have never heard of Jesus, we give to those areas that they might open their heart to Jesus Christ. That's why we do that, because God commands us to do that. And you notice that the people are like, what do you mean? How did we earn heaven? We didn't get it. You know why? They weren't busy waiting for God to give them that promise and affirmation. They were out serving. They were giving to people that they didn't know. They were seeking and sharing with people they didn't know. They were showing compassion and love. They didn't even realize it, but while they were doing that, God knew their hearts. It confirmed their faith. It is in serving one another in need that God sees us as his sheep at his right hand. When we serve our fellow brothers and sisters, 
when we tend to the needs of those who are broken through different ministries, through different missionaries, through different support and opportunities, when we tend to the needs of those who are needy or hungry or in bondage or hurt or in need of a non-condemning touch of Jesus without judging them but just loving them, then we become His sheep at His right hand. When we visit the homebound, when we feed those in need with physical and spiritual food, when we take in strangers by mentoring people and building them up and spending time with them, when we pray for them, when we meet with them, when we bring them to church, we are His sheep. When we clothe those in need, when we give drink to those who thirst, when we teach others how to receive the daily bread from God, the living manna from heaven, we become His sheep at His right hand. This is how the church was meant to function. We must be about our Father's business. That's what Jesus said. Why were you looking for me? I must be about my Father's business. We must seek to save that which is lost. We need to be in the world. We are not of this world. Our home is eternal in heaven. But we need to be in the world to build God's kingdom. We must tend to his sheep and care for one another here. Encourage one another. Love one another. And serve one another without, here's the key, serve one another without expecting anything in return. It's not how the world works. That's not how your flesh works. Your flesh wants to be thanked for what you do. Your flesh wants to be pat on the back. Your flesh wants something in return. God says, just serve. Go about keep seeking and keep serving and keep seeking after the kingdom. And God says, I'll take care of you. I will affirm you. I will encourage you. I will build you up. I will give you what you need. We serve God without expecting anything in return. For it is in our service to each other and to those around us that we serve God without ever even realizing it. But as we do, I will tell you this, the Bible tells us that what we do is, as we do that and serve unselfishly, God sees in secret all that we do for his kingdom. He's keeping track. We don't need to. And what happens if we don't do this? What happens if we don't serve? If we don't get involved? in activities and ministries and opportunities and serving unconditionally? Are there any real consequences for not getting involved, for not serving others and for not seeking his kingdom? Well, let's look at the word of God. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You didn't take me in. You didn't have time for me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not come to visit me. Then also they will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick in prison. And when did we not minister to you, Lord? Verse 45, Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, 
but the righteous into eternal life. Listen, no one knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return except God the Father. But we do know that we are approaching the day of the Lord. Look around you. We see things all over the world right now lining up with biblical prophecy. All these things that were prophesied thousands of years ago are coming to pass now. He warned us. He told us they would come. He said, be of good cheer. I am be with you. Jesus has overcome the world. If we put our trust in him, he will give us the peace to go through this process. But he told us all these things were going to come to pass. This means that God will soon, I don't know the day or the hour, but soon he will begin to sort the sheep from the goats. There's only one way to know which side we will be sorted towards. There's only one way to know if our faith is really authentic. God is calling each of us to get plugged in somewhere, to serve, to get involved in people's lives, to serve our brothers and our sisters and our community. The church gives us the place and the opportunity to do this. This is why we exist, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are all asked to step out, to ask, to seek, and to knock. Ask God what place he has reserved for you. Begin seeking opportunities. Knock on the door of his heart for confirmation. And when you have met the needs of his flock, you will know that you have pleased the king. We don't got to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to stumble. That's why there's grace. But let's get involved in the lives of others. But there's many ways that we can serve to follow God's commands. It's all up to you right now. The ball's in your court. It's your serve. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of that song, for the message that you've given us to go seek and to save that which is lost. Help to get our focus on right for you, to seek after your kingdom, to build your kingdom for your glory. Bless our church. Bless your people around this world. Open our eyes to see how we can serve. In Jesus' name, amen.